Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Sure Top Roofing presents the Carolina Contractor with your host, Donnie Blanchard. Brought to you by GAF Roofing, shingles and materials. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply and Garner, a roofing supplier with a different approach. And welcome to a very special edition of the Carolina Contractor Show. I'm Eric Smith with us, your host as usual, Donnie Blanchard of Sure Top Roofing. Today is special because we're only answering questions submitted to the Carolina Contractor website. The website, very similar name, thecarolinacontractor.com. There's a little button you can click on, put your name on it, submit your question. Donnie reads them all. We try to answer as many as we can, which is why today we're just going to concentrate on knocking out some of these questions you've submitted. You can also check the website out if you want to listen to past shows, and you can download those shows onto your smartphone, listen to them at your convenience. If you have immediate need for roof repair or roof replacement, you can reach Donnie at suretoproofing.com. He and his staff will come out and give you a free estimate and tell you what they can do to make your house purdy again. But like I said, we're focusing on questions today. So let's start. Question number one. After the recent storms, we called out a claim and the adjuster still hasn't come to the house. What's a reasonable amount of time to wait? I guess when you have a storm hit, Donnie, you get a lot of people calling their insurance companies at the same time. That's it. Well, there's the first wave of claims that come in and people know exactly what to do. And then you also have the people who hang tight and they want to have it verified by a roofer, which is a great thing to do. And that's the the due process that's on the up and up. But a lot of these adjusters are getting 50 to 100 claims dropped on one individual person. A lot of times they're from out of state and that's okay in this situation with Mm -hmm. an adjuster. But um, uh, these guys are scheduling four or five a day and they still have to write those claims up after they get out of the field. So these guys are working 10, 12, 13 hour days. Um, I would just advise these folks to be patient with them because a lot of the times these guys are away from their family. And if you're the, the homeowner that works with them, say you have hail damage that's not terrible and it may be on the fence whether or not your whole roof gets approved, if you're that person who treats them the right way and is easy to work with, I think that they will take that into consideration when they are giving you a thumbs up or a thumbs down on a replacement. So just hang tight if you can. Once that paperwork comes in, the next step is to call a roofer, of course. We would love for you to call us, but Definitely want to advise, call somebody local with a good reputation. And while you're waiting on the adjuster, is a good time to do your due diligence on that aspect. Next question. Our house has wooden overhangs and the wood appears to be rotten in several places. What do you recommend? Well, we actually went out and looked at this one. Um, this house was about 60 years old. And uh, that that long ago, they didn't have the same products that they have available now. Uh, the first thing I told these folks is we need to figure out where the water is coming in. If they have rotten boxing around their house, then obviously there's a problem with the, the flow of the house and that water is getting somewhere it's not supposed to be. Uh, in this particular case, they had broken shingles down by the gutter line. So when the water that was supposed to go in the gutters uh, didn't make it that far, it actually poured out down in the boxing. And over time, that was able to rot out several sections of their boxing. They also had a few other places that were harder to see. Uh, the fascia was rotten on two different elevations, and the reason that was is that their gutter troughs had filled up and the water was running over the back edge of the gutter mm-hmm. because the gutter was improperly secured. So they had two or three things going, and, and that's the first thing to do is address where the water intrusion is coming in. As far as the replacement and the putback, 
Um, they have a product that we're a fan of. It's it's a PVC product, and it's a one by six that looks exactly like a wooden one by six, but usually comes in white. So if you have white trim, you know there's no painting necessary. And the best thing to do is go back with a PVC product or something that's you know rot resistant and that you don't have to maintain. Um, the other option, if you're not a fan of a, a vinyl or a trim coil, is that you could go back with fiber cement. The popular word for that is hardy plank, and hardy is just mm. a particular brand in the fiber cement world. But uh, if you choose to go back with a fiber cement option, in this case, you're going to have to paint that, say, every 10 to 15 years. If you do opt for that, I just want to throw this out there that Getting the good paint could make a big difference. So if you have to paint your house, say, three times in the life of the house versus two, that's thousands of dollars saved just by getting a good quality paint. Um, and um, the cheapest option, and what we're going to do on this particular house is we're going to change out the soffit boards that are rotten. We're going to change out the fascia boards that are rotten with just regular pine one by six. And we're actually going to wrap this with trim coil. And that's what you see on a lot of houses. So the fascia will actually be wrapped with trim coil, and that will extend up. And a lot of folks like to turn that trim coil out under the edge of the roof so it acts like a support, almost like a drip edge for the shingle. On the bottom side, this is kind of neat. This particular house did not have adequate ventilation. So instead of changing all the soffit out, we're going to actually remove some of the soffit that they have, and we're going to install something called vented vinyl soffit. And in doing that, we're going to get these folks more than enough attic ventilation, and that should help the life of the shingles that they currently have and uh, put them back whole. I like to talk on this subject a little bit more from my personal experience, because one of the reasons I'm here, aside from bringing Donnie mineral waters during the breaks, <laughs> is I'm a homeowner, and I've seen a lot of these problems, and I can say when you have rain coming off your roof, this sounds funny. Yeah. Go outside during a moderate rainstorm, not with lightning and thunder, and look at your gutters, because at my house, we had rain coming off the gutters, mm-hmm. well, actually not coming off the front of the gutters, the gutters weren't able to take all the water in, mm-hmm. it would back up, and it was going back behind one corner mm-hmm. at the front. How did I find out this problem? When I noticed my soffit had started to rot out and mm-hmm. sag. And that was the problem that you were just describing, mm-hmm. is that backflow can cause a lot mm-hmm. of damage before you even know it's there. And if you go and check your gutters during a rainstorm, you can see, do you have water flowing on the side of your house or the walls? Or if it's overflowing the front, mm-hmm. something's either clogged or you have a, an issue that you need to address quickly. Another potential solution is a six-inch gutter. Most of the gutters that you see, of course, are called K-style seamless aluminum gutters, Mm -hmm. and they're five inches. So it doesn't sound like a big jump from a five to a six-inch application, but a six-inch gutter normally ranges a dollar or two more per foot, and the downspouts are the same size, but that gutter, that extra inch of gutter trough will allow you to handle an exponential amount of volume versus that five-inch. Next question submitted to thecarolinacontractor.com. What causes my windows to fog up when it rains at my house, especially in the summer? And is this okay or is something wrong? Well, it's the same exact thing that happens in your car sometimes. If you're driving down the road and all of a sudden your windows fog up and it's just kind of out of the ordinary, uh, it's usually because there was a temperature drop outside, which explains the rain and the question. When you have this, say, warm air that comes in contact with the window pane itself, uh, and then you have the cooler air on the inside, well, all of a sudden that warm air temperature drops when it starts raining, and it just causes the condensation to form on the inside of the window. The thing you want to look for is if this happens on all the windows on that wall, or if it just happens on one window, if it happens on, say, three to five windows in that room or on that side of the house, it's 
indicative that you probably have a bigger problem. And um, in that case, of course, you need to call somebody out and have it checked out. We've also gotten this question, and we went out, and it was actually a seal failure. So mm, the, yeah. du- the double-pane glass had lost its seal in a yep. couple situations, and the windows were cloudy. Usually that's localized to just one or two windows around the house. And um, on a side note, if you know who your window manufacturer is, a lot of those window manufacturers will just send you a brand-new sash, no questions asked. So if you pull your windows out as if you were cleaning them, mm-hmm. you detach the side rails and just fold them inwards. Uh, normally on the side of one of those sashes has all the information from the manufacturer, the window size, and the series of that particular window. So could be a couple of things, but in most cases it's just something – with a change in the humidity and dew point. Just getting started with questions submitted to the CarolinaContractor.com. Donnie, what are the best times of year to get a new roof, and is there a good time to get discounts um, on a roof? Well, ideally speaking, the best times to do a roof are in the spring or the fall, and that takes my workers into consideration because the hottest part of summer is never fun to be on a roof when it's about 160 degrees up there. The shingles are just fine. Uh, however, once they're installed in the heat of summer, you want to be really careful about not backtracking over those. So a lot of the worries that you have to deal with in the winter and the summer are non-existent in the fall and the spring. There's good days and bad days in the winter and the summer. So, of course, there's days where it's going to be 80 and there's days where it's going to be 100. So you definitely want to be choosy. And as a homeowner, we tell our homeowners, hey, if you're not okay with us doing it this day, we can move you around. And having several crews on staff is how we have that kind of flexibility in our schedule. But if your roof doesn't need immediate attention, I would say put it off to the fall. Some folks don't have that luxury, especially in the case of these hailstorms. You know, people have to do the replacement right away because they may be compromised to the point of water intrusion. Mm. Uh, to comment on the discounts, we always come in really competitive, but there's one discount in particular that GAF offers out there, and this is more of a promotion than a discount, but they do a program called Roofs for Troops. So all veterans qualify for a $250 discount, and I'm as far as I know, SureTop is the only company that does this, but we match that $250. Oh, cool. Most homeowners will call in and say, hey, we want to get a quote on our roof because of the Roofs for Troops discount, and they tell us that up front. What we tell homeowners, the honest way to approach this is to call us and ask for a quote only. Don't tell us that you need the Roofs for Troops discount, and then after you get our number, mention that. And that's the way to keep these kind of discounts on the up and up because anybody can add that money back in if you Mm -hmm. tell them up front. So when you're looking for a roofer, we recommend you call us. We are designated as Master Elite. There's only a handful of Master Elites in North Carolina, and uh, that's the highest designation with the most reputable shingle company out there. And we're only halfway through the show, Donnie. we got more questions to go. Today's episode is nothing but questions that listeners have submitted to thecarolinacontractor.com. If you have a question about your roof or your house or your siding, inside, outside, go ahead and submit it, thecarolinacontractor.com. You can also listen to past shows, download episodes to your smartphone, and find out about suretoproofing.com. Hang on. More questions on the Carolina Contractor Show coming up. We'll be back with more The Carolina Contractor presented by SureTop Roofing. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Welcome back to the Carolina Contractor. 
with your host, Donnie Blanchard, presented by Sure Top Roofing. TheCarolinaContractor.com is a place to submit your question. It's all we're doing today is answering questions submitted by listeners. Next one, are duct work in the crawl spaces sagging in some areas? Any ideas why? Yeah, I had to get dirty on this one. So I, I did the military crawl under the house and uh, <laughs> they were seeing this through a crawl space vent. They could see that the ductwork was sagging in two different areas. When I got under there, the first thing I looked for was whether or not the insulation around the ductwork had been compromised. And I expected to see that the insulation had been split open and uh, maybe some moisture got in there and it accumulated over a while, but everything was intact. I couldn't figure out exactly how the water got in there without a little further investigation, but there was definitely water being held within the walls of the insulation. And basically um, between two support points where the ductwork went through the floor and then it had a strap hanging it from a floor joist, it was about a 12-foot span. That water accumulated in there and about the six-foot mark is where it started to sag. So I traced it back to the boot that actually went up through the floor. And what happened there is that the insulation ever so slightly came down off of the boot, which is a galvanized metal. That boot pushing out the cool air into the house with the warm air underneath the house did something similar to what we talked about last week with the windows fogging up mm-hmm. after a rainy day. Right. Um, and so the condensation formed on the metal boot and that condensation didn't drip on the ground. It dripped down in the insulation. Well, eventually the insulation was saturated. That water found its way to the lowest midpoint there and it started to sag. So the culprit was actually that the insulation was not fastened properly up around the roof boot. So you go in your crawl space and you can see a shiny silver metal there. Uh, that's not supposed to be that way. And had that been insulated, the condensation would have never happened there. Well, these particular folks asked me what they could do uh, to prevent this from ever happening. And of course, we lined them up with an HVAC contractor who came out. He ran a few new trunk lines and eliminated that, fastened it like it was. But we're actually going to do a conditioned crawl space for these folks and they'll never have to worry about that sort of thing again. And we're only on the second page of questions, Donnie. Here's another one. We are going to re-roof our church in the fall. The steeple needs repainting prior to the roof install. How do we go about that? Well, we've done this before a couple of years ago, and I actually posted a video of it on our SureTop Roofing Facebook page. So if you go on there and click on videos, it should be five or six back. But um, a really interesting process. If the steeple is fiberglass, which most of them are these days, normally it's in two pieces. You'll have the base that fits over the ridge of the roof, and then you'll have the steeple itself that connects to the base. The way to do this is to detach one at a time. We hired someone who is a crane operator. Another word is a boom truck guy. And basically the same type setup you would need for setting trusses on a house is all you need. It Mm. it doesn't require a big, extensive commercial crane. But he attached his straps to the upper most portion of the steeple and uh, attached the straps before we unbolted it. In fact, we unbolted the uppermost and basically guided it off and he dropped that down to the ground. And then we did the same exact thing with the base. And it went a lot smoother than I expected. But um, something that these folks at this particular church did that that I hadn't seen before is once we got it on the ground, we put it on a nice flatbed trailer, strapped it down for these folks. And they actually took it to an auto body paint repair shop and, <laughs> and had it painted like a car. I'll paint any car or steeple for just ninety nine dollars. <laughs> I've never seen that commercial, but it made great sense. And, and I just really thought that they they did it the right way because painting it yourself is one thing and saving a hundred bucks by doing that. But if you want it to last forever, I would mm-hmm. let the pros do it. All right. This question submitted to the CarolinaContractor.com. Donnie, I can definitely relate. We have a leak around our chimney that only seems to happen during heavy or prolonged periods of rain. Any idea why? My dad had a similar problem at his house. We grew up in the North Hills subdivision, 
And when it would rain very heavily, we would get water dripping from above the mantle by the fireplace. He had had the roof redone, flashing redone, and it would still leak. So my brother Clark filled a backpack sprayer with, like, Thompson's water seal, went up on the roof, sprayed the whole chimney. After it dried, he sprayed it again. Problem went away. Right. He definitely, definitely had the right idea. And Thompson's will work. There are products out there that will last a little bit longer, and they're specifically made for brick and mortar. But when we get this call, whether it's a roof we've done or, you know, just someone calling, they've had a problematic chimney for years. When you tell folks, well, maybe it's not the chimney flashing, they're not very responsive to that because that's what they would think would be the problem. That's the barrier between the brick of the chimney and then the roof. But mortar and brick are porous. And it's one of those things where uh, sight unseen on this one as well, it could be a, a lot of things. But similar to what you said, the brick is not always as porous in the beginning as it is down the road. In North Carolina, we have a, a high acid content in our rain over the years, if you have rain beating on that chimney and then sun exposure, because, of course, the chimney can't hide from the sun mm-hmm. in most cases. So that will break down the mortar between the bricks. Now, I said the brick is porous as well as the mortar, but, of course, the mortar is more porous than the brick exponentially. What we do is we normally go take a, a, a site uh, inspection and, and look and see if it looks like any streaks are coming off of the chimney. That's usually a good indicator that the chimney is out of level or you have a chimney cap that could be potentially concave on one corner And when it rains, the accumulation of that rain usually will come off of one side or the other. Mm. When a brick or maybe the mortar is completely saturated, it doesn't give any resistance to that water. Another good indicator, if you see efflorescence, which is the white chalky looking stuff that you'll see on a brick veneer house or you'll see on a a chimney, that's telling you that your brick is no longer repelling the water. Instead, uh, it's absorbing that water and that efflorescence is a product of the water absorption. Um, but it could be several things like this. We had a, a two and a half million dollar parade of homes house and they could not get the chimney to stop leaking. We go on the roof and, and, uh, we try to seal it and we couldn't figure out. We, we tried the approach with the, not Thompson's water seal, the mm-hmm. Gator seal product, and that did not stop it completely. Well, if you take a brick and you look at it from the top, there are three holes in the top of that brick. So oftentimes you'll have someone that steps the brick out for a decorative band or something. And if they step it out more than three quarters by just an eighth of an inch, that water has a a hole to run in that will lead straight to the interior of the house. And that that's one of the things we found. The other thing is when a brick mason most likely is on a scaffold 30, 40 feet in the Mm -hmm. air, he's not in a comfortable position. Well, when a brick mason takes a trowel and he puts uh, the, the mortar on the brick during the installation process, there's a bed joint and a head joint. Normally he takes the trowel and he, he covers the bed joint completely, which is the horizontal joint. The vertical joint is the head joint. He'll take the trowel. He will skim a, a smidge of that on, on the edge of the head joint, and he'll stack that brick and move on to the next one. In this particular case of the, the $2.5 million home, we took an eight-penny nail, and we're strapped off in a rainstorm, and I have the builder there so he could see what was going on. And I take an eight-penny nail and two fingers, and I went up to several of those head joints, and I just poked the nail right through there. So basically it was an installation mm. error and, it, you know, several things leading up to that. But these chimney questions are all too common and it's no right, uh, no one answer that will cover everything. But, um, you know, hopefully we can get out and take a look and help you out with that. And if you have any signs of leaks at your house, you know, the ceiling gets those water stains or you see soft wood somewhere, go ahead and contact Donnie at SureTopRoofing.com. Let them come out there and look at it. And if you have a question you want to submit to the website, you can do that at thecarolinacontractor.com. 
Next question. Smart devices for your home. What do you recommend? I can say, Donnie, before you answer this, I installed the smart thermostats in my house a decade ago, and it was actually pretty easy. When you pull it off the wall, some of these systems can be intimidating because it's a mess of wires. But I bought like a basic Honeywell thermostat from Lowe's, and it came with all these stickers. And without going into too much detail, you just match the stickers to the correct wire, and then it will allow you to align them correctly with your new thermostat. took me maybe 30, 40 minutes to do the first one. Went off without a hitch, worked great, so I went and bought another one and did the upstairs. So my thermostat systems are on a schedule to turn on and off depending on when we're home. Well, I'm a late adopter on a lot of this stuff because I want to see how it works. But uh, the smart thermostat, most people are familiar with that. And, of course, it uh, they have these that will watch the habits of your uh, of your, your daily life and what time you come and go, and, and it will adjust the thermostat as you tell it to. But the, the smart thermostat, they're far enough along now where they're safe to put in your house. I know we have a three-phase unit in terms of HVAC in our particular house, and when I bought a Nest from Lowe's several years ago, it was only capable of monitoring a two-stage unit. So, of course, I, I got ahead of myself on that, but we currently have one that works just fine. And in terms of the money that they save, they are well worth the cost. Um, getting a little more technical than that, they have these energy monitors in your panels now. So basically, these things monitor and track your energy usage, and they're so smart that they can tell if you're using a hairdryer, for instance. So mm. they give you a report every month, and they say, hey, you know, you're using too much of this or too much of that. And Eventually, that will that will evolve into getting a report, which they do energy audits now, but that's a service you have to pay for. Just about every house will be equipped with something similar to what your vehicle has, where it tells you things that are uh, could potentially go wrong or where you're using too much energy or if something's not working right. Uh, beyond that, they have several other things. They've got the outlets and the switches. They've got locks that you can control with your smartphone, mm-hmm. of course, appliances that tell you when you're out of milk and that sort of thing. And, and, you know, I don't think my children would stack the the refrigerator the right way where the camera inside would work for me, so I haven't jumped on board with that. But uh, they've got the doorbell with the camera, the ring, and a lot of people have the ring now. I was uh, recently informed by a gentleman we did a roof for who works for the government that uh, Amazon bought out ring, and they're giving these really cheap subscriptions right now. And what they're doing is they're watching your daily habits. Mm-hmm. So, so they're using these devices. You really have to be careful because – they can work for good in a lot of uh, a lot of scenarios, but in terms of um, you know things that you don't want, you have to be real careful for that. Next question submitted to the CarolinaContractor.com. We plan on building this fall. Is advanced framing something that's common in our area? Well, advanced framing kind of came out of the big energy efficiency craze back about 15 years ago when everyone was either doing a lead certified home or an energy star. Uh, those both have kind of became obsolete just because of building codes being so stringent that you have to build energy efficient because of the current electrical mm-hmm. and insulation codes. So what this uh, advanced framing is, is basically a way to save lumber is how they pitch this, as well as be able to add more insulation. So they deduct wood members where necessary and, of course, make wood members thicker where necessary. Uh, there are a few things that we really like about the advanced framing, but there are a lot of things that just don't make sense financially or structurally. Uh, one of the things that they push is that they do a two-by-six exterior wall. And just about every house we've built in the last decade, we've done two-by-four exterior walls. That doesn't sound like a big jump from a two-by-four to a two-by-six. But if you look at it in terms of insulation, you're getting 50% more insulation in that exterior wall. And that makes a big difference. But the, the other thing that they say about the two-by-six exterior walls is that you can space those at two-foot centers. We still like to stick to the 16-inch centers. Reason being, 
uh, with a few of the building products that will go on down the road, like siding and certain things like that, depending on what kind you pick out. Some of that siding has nail flanges and things like that that are only made for 16-inch centers. So you mm. really have to have a big-picture mindset when you go into this. And we don't feel like the two-foot spacing is a, a very good thing, so we still stick to the 16. A thing that we, we really like is that they do insulated headers. So if you can imagine this 2 by 6 exterior wall, which is really 5 and a half inches, if a header is a double 2 by 10 that only takes up about 3 inches. So you've got an extra 2 and a half inches where you can add rigid foam and I mentioned this in a, a couple weeks ago on a show that the average window is about an R3. So you've got this really nice 2 by 6 wall with an R19 in the wall, and you're going along there. You hit the window that's an R3. Well, you go above that window, and if it's just two pieces of wood and nothing else, you've got a hollow cavity in between those. So the rigid foam really makes a, a big difference in terms of getting a, a full envelope when you build. Um, a couple things that we don't like, uh, they, they say that you can hang your headers with Simpson ties and things like that, and we just – We've more of a traditional framing package. We we like to do jacks under our headers, and, and we just feel like a, a wider header than the window with a jack under there gives you a little more flexibility. If you ever do a window replacement down the road, you just have an extra three inches to play with in there. And with, with what they call for with the window hangers, they don't give you that option. They go for a single top plate in the framing package. We don't really like that because structurally it will pass, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense, and it's not a lot more money to have a another 2 by 4 that runs along the top to support the roof system. Um, they say that you can actually install rigid foam insulation to cover the entire elevation if it's not a load-bearing wall. We don't do that. We kind of, like the three little pigs analogy, you know, we, we want wood all the way around as strong as we can get that thing, and foam is something you could put your hand through pretty easy, and we just don't feel like that's uh, substantial enough to account for an elevation cover. Uh, the other thing I will say that... If you do go this route and you do your homework, make sure that you have a qualified builder who knows what they're doing and where you're going to save money. You're probably going to cancel that out because a framer that knows how to do this and do this right is probably going to charge extra. However, if you do take the plunge and make this move, make sure you use 5 8 inch drywall everywhere. That two-foot spacing often will show itself in between you know, the studs with the drywall bowing or just a, just not a cleaner look, and that extra eighth of an inch of drywall will a lot of times make up for that. And the last thing I'll say a lot of inspectors are not on board with this. So mm. make sure your local building is inspections department signs off on that before you just do it and call in the inspection. Well, I'm glad we got through a lot of questions that were submitted by listeners to the website. If you have one, we try to answer some every week, thecarolinacontractor.com. And if you have a question about your roof, it's leaking. We addressed that earlier today or it looks damaged, or you just want some security to know that your roof is okay, contact Donnie at SureTopRoofing.com. They will come out there and look at it. Estimates are free, so you have nothing to worry about. And the best thing Donnie can say is, your roof is fine. Call me in a year. So thanks for joining us on the Carolina Contractor. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor, presented by SureTop Roofing. Brought to you by GAF Roofing, shingles and materials. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply and Garner, a roofing supplier with a different approach. Submit your questions online at thecarolinacontractor.com and tune in next Saturday as we continue to help make your home great again.
Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. 